0: You can take action, take intentional steps, but sometimes your intentional step might be an intentional cocooning time where you just kind of have some self-reflection, where you give yourself some time, give yourself permission not to be online or to not produce something because maybe you're kind of like, I'm unsure where I'm going right now and that can be okay. So your step can be your intentional cocoon right now.
1: Welcome to the Impact-Driven Entrepreneur, the podcast that helps you expand your reach and convert that reach into clients so you can lead your tribe with confidence and create change in the world while living the life you desire. And now your host, certified business coach and consultant, Mariana Ruiz. Want to increase your sales without so much hustle? Oh my gosh let's talk about doing funnels. Funnels are like the thing right now, but whether it's challenge, a tripwire, a webinar, or even getting people on the phone, guess what? All of that is the same. It's a sales process and what some people call funnels, okay? And I wanna help you with your sales process because here's the thing, when you can really master and improve that process, you will get more sales in your business. Normally inside of my six month coaching program, what I do is I actually look at everything that my clients do. I look at all of their copy, all of their emails, everything that they're doing inside of a launch or outside of a launch. And really, I want to bring that element to a small intensive for you. So what I want to do is offer you the opportunity for me to look at all of your emails, all of your copy, whether it's a challenge, a funnel, a webinar, or a sales call, I will actually listen to your sales call. Yeah, you heard that, right? Okay. So in order to get this amazing offer, it's called a funnel intensive. You can find it at impactdrivenentrepreneur.com slash work with me. You can purchase there right away. Or if you want to get on the phone and just make sure it's a good fit for both of us, I'd be happy to chat with you. Let's optimize that sales process so that you can start generating more sales in your business without the grind. Hey there, and welcome back to the Impact Driven Entrepreneur. Today we have Ariane Machine. She is a clinical and sports psychologist and the co founder of the Coaching Collective. She's the creative director of Hello Totes and has an IFC accredited life coaching program. Welcome, Ariane. How are you? Hey, I'm super excited to be here and talk with you. Yay, me too. For everybody listening, I was actually in her program. And we really hit it off. We have a lot of the same core values and just really have been in contact ever since. Like, it's been a beautiful relationship. So, I wanted to bring her on and really talk about coaching. Like, what is coaching? What is the difference? And really, like, getting you guys to feel really, really confident in your practice. So, can you kind of introduce how you got started? What's your background and how you transitioned from doing sports psychology to what you do? Now in your business, but I think you still do psychology, right?
0: Yes. Actually, I've just about completely shifted into coaching, to be honest. It's been part of my professional identity transition. And it's been a process for me, actually, it's been interesting as how kind of things have shifted over my life, both personally, and then professionally in ways that I did not expect. So I'm actually not practicing as a psychologist right now. But I never want to take that identity away from myself, because it took a long time to get that identity. So it's Mm -hmm. still there. So your question is kind of like how I got to be doing what I'm doing right now. Is that kind of right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, why are you with the place you're at? Well, you know, it was interesting because my education was like, it was a long process, but I, I loved all of it. I did a master's degree at University of Minnesota, a PhD, at University of North Texas. I was certain I was going to be working in a university counseling center, which I still love the university environment and also working with elite athletes. So I had gotten a lot of experience in, in that area, done all my education in that area, and I did like it. But I also felt like I was not in charge of what I was doing a lot of the time. Like if you're working in university, there's kind of a ceiling on things you can do. And I loved all my responsibilities. But I also feel like my brain naturally works in like a free spirited kind of way. So I did have a private practice, a small private practice, because I didn't have that much time to be doing private practice work. I feel like that let me kind of get into the entrepreneurial world back in it was probably 2008. So that was a lot of fun. But Again, I felt kind of capped on my potential in that area because I had my other positions. Then I had my children. So this was about six years ago now. I had twins at the time, and they're six now, and then a younger son that was five. Honestly, that completely changed everything in ways that I did not expect at all, and I still think back to that. I'm like, I don't know what I was expecting when I you know, had kids, but it was something I really had wanted. But that completely changed my priorities, what was valued to me and valued to our family. And so I feel like I needed to switch it up. That was a perfect time to switch it up. We also had moved. My kids were born in Wisconsin. We had moved to Pennsylvania, then moved down to North Carolina. I had some sports psychology clients from Wisconsin that... Couldn't really find someone that they really connected with. And it's funny because culture is always important as a way to be curious with, you know, why and how things are the way that they are. Back then, telehealth and like doing things online, honestly, I think back in 2008 was when blogging first started getting really popular. So this was about 2011. I mean, so people are just starting to be more online in this way of like telehealth and expecting or no thinking that this was an okay wait to deal with things. Honestly, I was totally like, well, we can do it with some of the clients. It's like we can meet. I'm nervous in some ways because I don't want to like do a disservice to you in any way. I want to be as you know confidential, like to have all my I's dotted and T's crossed. But it was fascinating because meeting with them, honestly, I was like, we had amazing work together doing sports psychology, which I view more as coaching. Actually, you don't submit to insurance. So it's very like not therapy, not at all. So it was kind of more in a coaching context. And I was like, oh my gosh, this really worked. And honestly, this was beautiful because I could be home with my kids. I could have people watching them, but I could be home, still have a great connection and be doing really good work with people that also allowed them to be flexible because a lot of the athletes I worked with were traveling, had very rigorous schedules between academics and then their training. So this allowed them, honestly, I would talk to them when they're in their cars, like whatever was easiest for them. I'm like, we'll just go with it back in their dorms that when they had quiet time, you know, so I realized it was a great fit for them. It was a great fit for me. So that's honestly, first thing that gave me confidence to know that this could actually work and that I could also do it. So it was forced on me in a way. So after that, we moved to North Carolina and I had always wanted to like have a bigger impact. And I love the title of your podcast because I'm like, I feel like that's kind of why so many of us who, you know, with our big hearts, we're like, we want to make a big impact and kind of do good in the world. And sometimes we feel like just doing it solo, it feels like, okay, how do I do that? Like even solo and working one-on-one. And I had this idea, like, I'd love to have a training, like a training program where I could, you know, try to influence in a really positive way, both the confidence, competencies, everything that goes into coaching and have those coaches go out and share those, I would say, like really mutual values that I have, because we would connect on those levels. So I had been thinking about this, but I hesitated because honestly, for about two years, I had talked to some people about, I'm like, I'd like to do this. I just, I'm like, I'm scared to do it. I want to do it the right way. I don't want to just put this thing together because I also feel like, again, in studying kind of coaching culture, there's a lot of, I feel like it's the wild west. There's a lot of non-regulation. And I see a lot of people out there having their own certificates. And i think. They created their own little certificate that I don't know what it means because it's like their name. So I'm not sure. But I mean, it seems like people buy it. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't really just go out and create a little certificate with my name on it or with my brand on it and like pretend it means something like I actually want it to be rooted in something that has like a very solid reputation that has ethical principles that has integrity that kind of supports the holistic view of coaching and the person behind it kind of positive growth. So I learned about the International Coaching Federation. At this time, I started talking to one of my best friends from graduate school, Kelsey Latimer. And I was like, Kelsey, I really want to do this. We talk all the time. And she's like, I'll do it with you. I'm like, really? Because she's a lot of the organization behind it. You know, I'm like, ideas, ideas. And she's like, organization. So she's like, let's do it. So we kind of both researched what the process would be. I'm going to give her full credit. She is the one who filled out all our application. We put our content together. We got together one weekend, literally worked in a hotel for three days from Friday to a Sunday straight. We had fun, but we worked really hard, put this whole program together by the end of the weekend. And then she submitted the paperwork to the ICF. And we had a little back and forth with them on you know, making sure it's totally refined, making sure it's really great. So and we developed a great relationship with the individuals over at the ICF accrediting. So that's kind of how it initially began. And then we're like, okay, we have this program and oh, it was really exciting. But I feel like it's weird to say, because I'm almost going to be 40. I hate to even say that here. I like being taped, but I'm like, I finally feel like I'm at the place where I'm like, yes, this is, I feel really in a cozy position right now I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be and in some ways I'm like why did it take me so long to get to this place and then that's my judgment thoughts and then the other part is like you know what you shifted through your life as you needed to and I kind of listened to the directions that it took me (laughs) this is where I'm sitting so I don't know if that whole spiel even made sense but I feel like that's kind of what brought me to where I'm at today. That is so awesome.
1: There are some like really (laughs) interesting things that I want to pull out from there, if that's okay. So I think one thing that you touched on in the beginning was kind of like, you were doing sports psychology, which is not really like therapy. It's more like coaching. Mm-hmm. And yes. I know that's one of the core ethical principles that we studied. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a really important thing. Like, can we go there for a second and talk about what is that difference? Yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people get confused on that or are just not 100% clear.
0: Yes. Yeah. We can totally talk on that. <laughs> Love this. Um, yeah. Put me on the spot. Okay. Got to have the right answers here. That's honestly what my brain is thinking right now. Like the right answer, the right answer. Okay. So kind of some general thoughts about this. Cause I do know there's a lot of ambiguity slash questions slash like, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I think that's hopefully what kind of drives, I think what drives a lot of that. So coaching is more kind of strength based versus like the more clinical therapy model, which I don't want to say you're looking at, like negative things in people, but it's more pathology based of like what's going on, how can we and, and this isn't bad by any means. I feel like it's a different type of person that might connect more with coaching model versus a therapy model. I would say probably the person who's in coaching, Definitely does not have, I would say, clinical disorder. So their symptoms do not warrant maybe a diagnosis. It could maybe be subclinical. I think subclinically, like you're not quite as struggling as much in so many different ways because there's like a million different diagnoses. So I would say probably the person is pretty well functioning, but they have some things that they want to work on. And so a coach will help them in a strength based, positive, forward way. The coaching also doesn't delve as much into the past you might be curious about some thoughts maybe that relate to the past, but you're not going to spend time like sitting in the past and talking about the past therapy that might be important if there's some type of whatever trauma or whatever it might be. And honestly, this actually brings up like I sometimes see in the coaching world, I guess I wonder sometimes if people are coaching, you know, making sure that because like trauma work, it's not Easy. And it's not just difficult, but there's a lot on the line for the person by bringing up stuff. So I think you have to be careful or just cautious, honestly, intentional, cautious as a coach to make sure you're oriented in that. And I'm sure most people are in kind of a strength based, positive, forward way, kind of skill building positive habit-forming way. But you're also, there's some similarities because I think you are holding space for that person, Mm -hmm. holding space for kind of where they're at and kind of helping them in a non judgmental way. And if you're kind of coming from a counseling side, that's very much humanistic theory coming out, you know, kind of just, you meet them where they're at. And I do feel like that is kind of present there, your presence, your energy. Feels very non judgmental or should feel kind of non judgmental as you're kind of exploring and helping your client. You kind of follow the client in some ways to say, what do they need today? What are they struggling with? And then kind of pushing them forward. I don't think we give like it's as much advice giving, but we are, I feel like prompting them forward a little bit more in coaching, kind of pushing them a little bit forward. I don't feel like in counseling therapy, there's as much as that pushing forward, I guess. And maybe I'm not describing it accurately, but I feel like it's something I feel in coaching, like, and honestly, almost like a responsibility to be doing that. So I don't know. Those are some of my initial thoughts as We think of like, what are the differences and kind of what are you doing in coaching versus counseling?
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think the important things that you talked about is like, let's be intentional as coaches and let's be just aware of the work that we're doing and how it really is impacting our people, right? Because that's, of course, nobody here would do anything to harm anybody intentionally, but like, let's be mindful of moving people forward, right? Rather than bringing up things that could cause them to feel upset or, you know, other things like that,
0: right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And when you started the life coaching program, how was that transition into like getting students to go through it, right? I mean, I know my path, like how I decided to get one, get a certification, right? But it is kind of like you said, the Wild Wild West, or like you don't need a certification. Yeah. And A lot of us, myself included, like I practiced for probably three years without a certification. So Mm -hmm. like, do you find your students are deciding to do it? And like, what is, are some things that go into that decision?
0: Yeah, that's such an interesting question. It's something I've actually been thinking a lot at because I'm thinking like, well, who are our ideal clients? And probably if you're in the coaching realm, you're probably thinking to yourselves, who are my ideal clients? And how does that relate to my niche? And, you know, what do I need to be saying to them? And where can I find them? And how can I connect with them? Being yourself, but also kind of eliciting an emotion from them of like, I would love to be a part of whatever you have. So those are all parts that have been going into my thought process. I think something that comes to mind when you ask that is values, because I feel like the women who have signed up for the program, gosh, I mean, the values, I feel like it is the most integrity-filled, heart-centered, just people who care and there's an intentionality about what they do. Like they care, they want to be responsible. They want to be ethical. They want to be doing things in the best way possible. I actually just received an email this past week of a person who's like, I've been coaching for a few years, but I want to make sure my skills are kind of, I'm like I'm top of my skills. Like I just want to make sure they're fresh and refined. And then I'm having reflection about why and how I'm doing things. So I've even gotten in touch with some people that, I kind of heard from some people that just want to be the best coach that they can. And so that person is going to be signing up for the program. So I just feel like so it's people that are almost feel like a responsibility to themselves and a responsibility to their clients. And I guess, honestly, a responsibility to the coaching field that they're participating in. I feel like it's this level that they want to be participating in that and they want to be doing it as just as fully as possible, kind of an all in I guess mentality, but I feel like it comes from just a really good place where you want to be doing the best that you can and getting feedback. Cause I feel like it's a vulnerable position in some ways to be getting feedback or get like being open about like, well, what am I doing? And how am I, I mean, I honestly still feel like you never end. And I feel like if you ever reach a point where you're like, um, I think I'm good. I totally, I know my skills. I mean, I think that's going to be a time for reflection of like, why do you think you're done? You know, because I think we always have to be curious about why and how we're doing things and kind of our current situation and how that is influencing our lens. I know we talk about our lens a lot in the course and kind of like, how does our lens influence how we see our clients and vice versa, how we see our clients lens and how their lens is playing into maybe some things they're struggling with, helping them understand their lens. So I feel like there's a lot of little weaving things into this, but I'm still actually thinking about that question, to be honest. Like who does like our program or who would want to be in our program? I'm still wrestling with that. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah. I just want to point out, you have a PhD and you're like, and I'm always still learning, right? Like that is, first of all, like so humble and so humbling for all of us to be like, that is such a beautiful example of we can always continue to grow and learn. And we're never really done, quote unquote, learning and improving our craft and our skill and what we do. Right? I think that is a huge lesson. from Totally. And I also think what you really are talking about here is somebody who wants to take their coaching to the next level. And for me, yeah, to be quite honest, for me, like, One of the things was I had helped people and I wanted to make sure I was getting my people the best results and using all of the skill sets. So I have a bachelor's in psychology and my background is nursing. So we had, you know, some coaching type skills like drilled into us in nursing school and in school when I was studying. And some of the stuff that we learned in coaching school was okay some of the similar principles, some of the similar theories, but it was not about learning the theory. It was about application of that and making sure that we're really using that tool belt to the fullest capacity. Completely. Yes. It's kind of like in nursing where there's a difference between evidence-based practice and the way things should be practiced and how people are actually practicing it. And not in a way of like, we're doing things the wrong way, but always, like you said, being curious about how can we tweak and improve what we're doing every day Mm -hmm. to get the best results possible for our people.
0: Yes. You just explained it so, so well. And I agree with every little piece that you just said. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I think that's a a really important thing. Like for me in the decision process of like, do I want to do this? And for me, that was an absolute yes. Like I wanted to bring as much to the table for my clients as well as for myself, and just the the confidence piece was like mm-hmm. huge. Like, yes, really being like, oh yeah, yes. and yeah, it is totally nerve wracking to be evaluated <laughs> and to be. Yes, <laughs> we had to do these practice sessions with another coach, and we would kind of talk back and forth, and like, yes, that was nerve wracking, but it also gave me skills and awareness that I wasn't able to have on my own, like, and would probably never have on my own.
0: Yes. I think that's the thing too, is like the growth edges. That's what I kind of like to call them. It's like, we're not always aware of what we have for growth edges. Sometimes It takes like an extra set of eyes. And again, I feel like the overarching theme is like always curious and trying not to be judgmental because I feel like we're trying to better ourselves and be more understanding about ourselves and honestly be more empathic to ourselves. But I think for our growth edges, it's even having that other person on the other side. You know, if you're doing your practice sessions of like, what was that like for them? What did they notice in you or what they notice about the interaction? I think so many times you end up hearing things. You're like, oh, what you felt like that when I said that or like, oh you noticed that, it can help you almost be like, that's so interesting because that would not have crossed my mind at all. You know, it's really good to have extra feedback from other people about what you're doing and how you're doing to help yourself.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think that kind of ties well into you've mentioned it a couple times here, but the lens. So can you describe yeah. what that is? Because some people listening might have never heard of that or really know what that is. And I think it's a really important concept.
0: Yes, I do, too. I love the lens. So our lens, basically, it's like how we filter our world. So what have all been all these things like so it can be from our past, our family, where we grew up, the state that we were in, all those little things play into how we currently understand the world and how we see the world, how we see clients, kind of how we see everything. And we need to understand that because the way we see it isn't always the way other people see it. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But then it's also important to know. So when we see something, I mean, I never say like, oh, when we see that, or when I see something, I'm like, I'm going to offer this as a Perspective, but this is also not a truth. Like this is an observation. This is kind of through my lens, and I'm curious, like, what is through their lens? So, how do they see it based on their background, their experiences? Honestly, it's even our thought processes and the type of person we are. For perfectionists, all those little things go into like how we see and understand and interpret our world, our relationships, our surroundings everything. So we need to know that the way we see it is formed by those pieces. And the way our clients see the world is also through their lens. So it's important to know that because all this is being filtered. So we need to be, it's like, well, we can't get rid of our lens. Like our lens is good, but we also need to be aware of what are those pieces that go into it that allow us to see something in a particular way. And are there any opportunities to shift parts of the lens? If it's not helpful to you, or if it's not adaptive to your circumstances. So that's kind of what we mean by kind of the lens and how we see things and view things and experience things.
1: Yeah, so it's really like how we see the world and interpret the world. And I think one of the things that I noticed about what you're saying is that like, there's not a right or wrong way. And also, it's not always truth, right? So like, it's when you're looking at a piece of paper. It's a white piece of paper, but you have purple glasses on. It looks purple, but the paper itself is still white.
0: Yes, exactly. Kelsey has the best metaphor for that. I remember she had her like little goggles things on and she would talk about her at the goggles, but it reminds me of what you just said. Exactly. It's kind of like exactly what we see and how that's filtered through. And honestly, that's where some of the distortion is, you know, with thoughts, because it's a situation is a situation, but it's how we perceive the situation. And that perception is based on our lens. So that's where the opportunity lies to be curious and kind of wonder about it a little bit if it's skewed in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Totally. One of my
1: coaches had an example once that I think was so helpful. So he said something like, okay, this woman comes in and she says, you know, my husband betrayed me right? Mm -hmm. That's your interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard for us to think like that we're actually interpreting something as betrayal. But then when you go into what happened with your husband, right? Yes. Come to find out she had like a gambling addiction, and he had been saving like $20,000 in a bank account that he didn't tell her about. Mm. Right, And so it's kind of like, the fact is that he had $20,000 in a bank account, right? Those are the yes. actual facts. Her interpretation was betrayal. Somebody else's interpretation could be like, wow, he was being really thoughtful and saving up for our family's yes. future, right? <laughs> and so that's where like, the lens can totally change. And it's a little bit different from the actual fact, how you perceive something.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. that's a good example. Yeah.
1: Cool. And I love that you use the word curious because do you remember how I struggled with curious so much? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I remember your questions. You'd like type in.
1: That you helped me so much with was being okay with being curious. So I had some stories and some blocks around being curious, because for me and my family and growing up, it was always like, well, if you're curious means that you're like nosy, and that like, definitely implies something bad, right? So I had some healing to do around that word. But can you talk about how that's actually the like, really, really important part about coaching? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I I mean curiosity, I feel like it is like a guiding principle in my life because I feel like how do we know things if they're one way or another? Like we have to be curious about them and I feel like curiosity to me in a way is gathering information from a non-judgmental place. I honestly apply this to as I said, like every piece of my life and day and coaching work. I do some work with body image and eating patterns and I take a curiosity approach to that. When I work with clients of, you know, you notice yourself. It's kind of like looking at yourself as an outside observer. You're like, "Oh, you notice yourself having like cravings or feeling like you just need to eat in this specific situation." That's interesting. You know, like, let's notice that. Let's be curious about that. Like what goes into that situation? What happened? Who was involved? Do you notice any emotions in that situation? You know, how would we identify them? And then a curiosity of like, well, I wonder what it would look like if we tried this, or if you walked into this room instead, you know, like, how would you feel over there? So it's just kind of being kind of a wondering about options and without I think, again, like the most important piece, this non-judgment, because we are so good at kind of being mean to ourselves on a daily basis with everything and being like, oh, we should have it. It's like the shoulds. We should have it. We should know. We should be doing better. Why can't we? Like all this little that guilt and shame spiral that we talk about in the course, too. Um, So it leads into the guilt, shame spirals, which kind of keeps you at a lower place than you could be, like kind of in this cycle. So curiosity helps, I think, like lift that a little bit and kind of look from an outsider perspective of like, let's just kind of be curious and wonder about this. So I guess that's how I would describe curiosity and why it would be important. I think we're also conveying a message that there's no right or wrong. I know this, I had to do some healing and I feel like, again, healing to me feels like a continuous process as well. I had to do some healing around some of this myself with my family systems in like right and wrong. And like, there's a very strong sense of right and like, you shouldn't be wrong. So I'd be like scared to be wrong. And so like curious feels like a very graceful position where I don't have to decide if this is right or wrong, but I could look at things and like be okay with not having an exact answer at that exact minute, but collecting information about it. So I can feel really certain when I do need to decide about something. So I feel like it allows you to do that. And it feels like you give yourself grace in that process, which I feel like grace helps everything because we're not beating up on ourselves. And when that happens, we're like negative to ourselves. And it kind of elicits like that anxiety or you had mentioned before about like kind of confidence in coaching. And I feel like sometimes we might feel as coaches like, well, we should know how to do this or we should be helping our clients in these ways. And I feel like we can even pull ourselves up for a moment and just be like, okay, let's be curious about the situation. Like, what was it about this client that kind of elicited this reaction in us of like, I must give her the answer or like she's looking for something from me and I feel like I can't give it to her or I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. You know, what is it about that situation or that client or that moment that felt like kind of uneasy, you know? So I feel like it just applies. It's a concept that applies to everything, kind of everything and anything that I do.
1: Yeah, that is so insightful. And I think the key there is Non judgment with ourselves, with our clients, right? Yeah. And the whole right, wrong, like that is definitely how I was raised in my family as well. Yes. My parents were professors, so there's always a right and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And so that, like you said, the healing there, the forgiveness of ourselves is yes. so huge. And also like realizing like, hello, we're entrepreneurs, there is no right or wrong. It is your business and you get to choose what that looks like. And I think that can be the most freeing and also kind of almost scary at times part of building the business.
0: I agree. And sometimes there's so many things you could do and so many ideas you have. And then you're surrounded by people who look like they're being super successful. And I feel like that can make you feel like I'm just so far behind all the time and we're impatient to get where we want to go. But... Then we're like, okay, reel it back in, trust our process. Oh my gosh, I love that thing that you posted this morning on Facebook. It was kind of like, take one step at a time. You know, you're going to get, and I totally believe in that. We need to go our own pathway. We need to take the steps that are unique to ourselves, to our business, that feels really right for us and take action on that or kind of do what you need to do. And when I say take action, it's funny because I was just listening to someone yesterday talk about like, now's the time to stand out because... Like right now, when we're taping, it's November, and they're like, the holiday's coming up, everybody's gonna be quiet. And it's funny because I say, you can take action, take intentional steps, but sometimes your intentional step might be an intentional cocooning time where you just kind of have some self reflection, where you give yourself some time give yourself permission not to be online or to not produce something because maybe you're kind of like, I'm unsure where I'm going right now. And that can be okay. So your step can be your intentional cocoon right now. So I feel like that's like plays into this as well. Oh my gosh, you guys help me so much with that because I'm like avid mm-hmm.
1: go-getter. My default is push forward work, right? Like
0: do all of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, to the point where like, I'm in labor, and I was like sending follow up messages.
0: Right? You were not.
1: <laughs> I have an intern right now. And I was actually training her last night. And I actually told her this story. <laughs> so, oh, um, that
0: was three years ago,
1: and yeah, like a lot has changed since then. But one of the things is like, sometimes your next best step is to retreat or is to sit and allow for things to unfold, right? Because yes. for me, like, I mean, I just moved across the country. I did not intentionally like try to do discovery calls and bring on new clients during that time that I was moving yeah. across the country. You don't have to be on all of the time. Mm-hmm yes you've already done work for you in the background right so I had my team like repurposing some of my content and yes I was able to focus on serving my existing clients and moving my family across the country so I think like you said you can have these retreat
0: times yes and still kind of be
1: visible but not where it's you doing all of the work right
0: I agree. And I know some people that might be listening might be like, well, because you're doing very well in your business. I don't know if you give yourself a pat on the back ever, but like you deserve a pat on the back. (laughs) And I can see some people listening being like, well, I don't have a team. And like, I'm not established. And I would say for those that are listening that you're like, not as established as Mariana, because you're doing amazing. And that's okay. Because again, we're like all different steps, phases, totally. Like the phase I was in when I was in
1: labor following up, like I didn't have a team. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I feel like some of the clients that I have worked with in the past, there was this very strong urgency to be making money, like right that second. And like, yes, we all want to make money, but I feel like sometimes maybe we need to have something on the side that is bringing in a little bit of money that you can count on. Because I think there's this, again, this weird undercurrent of messaging of like, step away from your nine to five. It's amazing. Like then you've reached, you know, you've made it. You step away from the nine to five and you do this. And I feel like that is great. And again, I think if that's your goal of like to have GB fully in your coaching practice, like that's amazing. But then you know, you don't want to have all this anxious energy of like, I must find clients and I can't find them. So I can't afford to take any time to cocoon. I guess that's where I'm going with this of like, I can't have attention. So I would say like, have something on the side where if you need to, you're still contributing something. And so then you can give this the time space that it deserves and needs to grow authentically. Because I've seen if you don't, I think that's where this anxious, energy, urgency, panic, it's uncomfortable, it's not fun at all, and your clients feel it, and your messages online kind of appear that way in a way, your energy like is showed. So you can take that intentional time to be very purposeful, intention, kind of gather yourself to be able to make very conscious decisions in what and how you're saying and how you're doing things and developing the systems that will then work for you. Because I feel like there is this like, yeah, you've made it, leave your job. It doesn't help. It's like your people are really nervous about everything. So anyways, I was just thinking about that as you just said that.
1: I could not agree more. And I think it's really important to know yourself too. Like, do you well work well under pressure or do you skedaddle and like freak out? And then, oh my gosh, yes, exactly. Because if you're the latter, like give yourself the grace and give yourself, even if it's a part-time job or like – for me, that's been sometimes consulting, like I'll do consulting work on, you know, Facebook ads and stuff. And yes, that takes the pressure off of my coaching. And I've talked before on the show, like, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm open to receiving a coaching client or a consulting client, and I get the opposite one. And for me, it like, <laughs> it's okay, like, however, it comes, but really, it's the not having so much pressure on one thing. To make yes, all of the money that you need to pay your bills and survive. Like, <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! And I honestly don't think people talk about this enough because there's this pretend functioning online with the cute branding pictures, the imagery, the messaging that is anything but this. And I feel like people just don't talk about it. That I'm, I'm betting the reality of most people. I mean, even I will say even myself. I, and I like teaching online. I teach at two different universities, just like as an adjunct. But I will never stop those. I mean, maybe in a very strange situation, like I don't even know what that would look like, but I will always have those because number one, I love teaching. But number two, I'm like, I never want what I'm doing not to be fun. And like, so I know I can count on a little bit of that income to help my family or whatever we need, but like everything else is amazing bonus. And I love it all. And it's super fun and it's engaging. And You know, so I also have little things on the side that I do that I love to do, but I will not let those go anytime soon because I don't want any pressure at all to feel like this is it, make it or break it here. It's the pressure's on. Like that's never a fun place. I mean, I guess some people, maybe they function in that way, but I guess like for me, this is the best way for me to function. If it's not fun, like I'm probably not gonna do it. So this helps it stay fun. I'm like, I want zero pressure, but I'm keeping it real too because I feel like most people just pretend that they left their job and now it's like the most amazing situation and they manifested six figures. I'm like, I don't know. I think for the majority of the people, I don't think that is the exact path and it makes you feel like you're failing if you're not going on that path today.
1: Yeah. And I think another part of that is like, yeah, maybe they manifested six figures in two weeks or whatever, but like, what is the work that went into it beforehand? So, a lot, a big theme of our podcast is success is 10 years in the making. And it's not to discourage Mm -hmm. anybody, but it's to say like, what did the 10 years leading up to it? What did that look like? So there's a girl who recently, she became like a super successful Facebook ad strategist. And she used to work Mm -hmm. at Facebook. So like, you have that background of whatever it is. And then that's how you can get quicker success, right? And so I think whatever it is, use your strengths, use your background and never guilt yourself that you're not wherever you want to be because you're already on your way. You just have to continue to be okay with where you are. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: Yes. I love that you said that. And
1: like, thank you for having this like real honest conversation (laughs) because I agree with you. It's so needed in this space and there's so much pressure and to perform. And quite honestly, like as a business coach, a lot of my clients come to me with that expectation, like, and I've had to turn down people who are like, I need $10,000 by the end of the month and have never created anything near that. (laughs) So it's one thing if like you've done it and you're like, okay, I know exactly what to do. Or like, I just need some tweaks here and there, but to go from zero to 10,000, in Mm -hmm. one month and you've never had a single client it's unrealistic and unfortunately a lot of people are buying into this
0: I agree. I agree. This reminds me of something I posted online the other day. It was about like opening a sale versus closing a sale. And there can be a lot of pressure of like, okay, so you create this 8K coaching package and you're like, okay, I got someone on the phone. How am I going to close the sale? And I was kind of like sharing, like, it's not even about closing the sale. It's about how we open sales all the time. And that is something every single one of you listening, you're able to do because the beauty and the art and the Strength takes place in the opening and you don't have to call it an opening of a sale because it's basically just relationship building, opening yourself to conversations, opening yourself to others, meeting people, because once they like you and love who you are overall as a person, like you're never going to really have to close a sale because if you're offering something and they like it, they may get on the phone to check out details, but they're probably going to be pretty convinced that they already like it. So I feel like we can all work on opening, but if you want to call it opening sales, but just kind of opening relationships with people, that's something we can all do every single day. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. I love it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm totally going to be using that. <laughs> I will totally give you all credit. But I
0: th- oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> that
1: is so brilliant. And it's so true. Like the sale has usually happened way before people come on the phone call. But I like how you call it an opening because it really is an opening of a relationship. And I like to talk about impact. So like for me, it's like an opening for you to impact their life.
0: Yeah, At that moment.
1: When you go into each other's world, there's an impact for both of you. And like, both of your lives will forever be changed because the coaching relationship is so deep and beautiful like that.
0: Right? <gasps> yes, this is the theory. This is the theory from our course, relational cultural theory. It goes back to everything. It's like the mutuality of relationships and strength fostering relationships, you mutual empowerment, mutual growth, which is like something we talk about in the program. And literally, it's all over my life all the time. But I feel like, gosh, that theory, like literally describes everything. Like, I love that theory. It, it is my favorite theory for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's totally right. You're totally right. Yes. So awesome.
1: <laughs> okay. So how can people like find out more about you? We'll definitely link to your course.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I do. I have a freebie. It's crazy. I do have a free challenge. It's kind of five days to more authentic visibility. And like, again, authentic visibility is opening of the sale. It's just kind of an opening of yourself and opening to relationships. I feel like this is honestly one of the most important steps in just getting out there. So it's www.consciouscoachingcollective.com backslash visibility challenge. So it's a free five-day challenge, which I like. And then What else? I just have my website, consciouscoachingcollective.com. And then on Instagram, I use my personal Instagram. It's like my business personal. It's at Dr. Arianne Machine. So I kind of post over there. If you've like scrolled through my feed, I've been posting over there for quite some time, probably like three years, just encouraging words. It's it's honestly like a blog to me in some ways. I just post encouraging words and I'm very visual. So I like to like find images from my life. I never use other images. So it's like from my life that connect with the message that I share. And I had if you notice on my Instagram, so this is again, permission granting to all of you, I'm just starting to post on Instagram again. I actually went through like a one year cocooning on Instagram because I didn't feel like I wanted to be over there. I was I didn't have the energy to engage with people and I, I don't know. I just kind of didn't want to be there for a while. So it's like I'm just kind of shut down my account or like log out of my account and not log back in and take it off my iPhone. And so I did that and now I feel like I'm kind of ready to engage again. So you might notice that so I guess that's an example of intentional cocooning and something I, I gave myself permission to do but yeah so over on Instagram I'm there yeah we did the same thing I have posted on Instagram for about six months yes
1: and it was also very intentional right like I moved across the country yes I narrowed yes. it down to one platform again yes and yes one thing that was doable for me to stay consistent with and that was my Facebook group and my personal profile like even my business page was not getting that much love so Like really you go through phases in your life and your business and like give yourself that permission for sure.
0: Yes. Exactly. And I think I love what you just said, because honestly, I could have had like, and you probably could have done the same thing. You could have an automated thing to like post over there. And I'm like, I'm not going to pretend to be somewhere that I'm not. Unless I'm authentically there, I'm not going to be pretending to show up. I mean, that's one of my values. And same with using my own images for everything. That's just one of my values of like, I want to also show up authentically, which is why it's an authentic visibility challenge. It all goes together. But
1: yeah, anyways, love that. So is there any like, Last parting words for an entrepreneur who wants to make a difference in the world with their business that you would want to have them work on like this week, like actionable.
0: Yes. I actually, I was thinking about something earlier and I just love your podcast, like the impact part of that, because I gosh, I think that's just so important. I was kind of thinking about this. I call it invisible impact. And I can't remember if I talked about it in the course or not, but it's definitely something that rings true. And it relates to kind of just opening yourself and kind of posting every day. I would say a share of yourself as you feel driven to do. So I'd say don't be like, I have to share today at 9am. I'd say give yourself permission, like in the moment, share your thoughts as they come and put them down on paper, put them on your Facebook, like kind of have courage to do that. If it feels uncomfortable. That might be okay. We do talk about that in the course of like uncomfortable and like, is that good? Is it bad? Expect uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, doing something that's out of what you normally do and kind of maybe sharing of yourself in a different way isn't going to feel normal at first. So I would say uncomfortable might be an indication that you're moving in the right direction, but it's a share of yourself whatever that looks like to you and know this is where invisible impact comes in that even if you do not get comments or likes because I think as soon as we don't get comments or likes about something we're like nobody saw it nobody cares that was dumb should I delete it Trust me, it goes through my head too. That's why I can say those things. I'm like, oh, should I take that away? But, you know, I'm like, I'm leaving it up. It's like I'm just putting it down. Invisible impact. People see what you put. They may not say anything, but it is very interesting when you are kind of showing up, sharing authentically, you might start to get some Facebook messages. I mean, this is under of what happened to me, some messages or you never know how you're positively influencing somebody else, even if they don't give you credit for that via a like or a comment. So keep doing what you're doing, even if you don't necessarily feel or like see the love back to you. That feels the best, of course. But if you don't know, you are still influencing someone. And I definitely call it invisible impact because when you do that and you do it regularly, you are going to see, be like, oh my gosh, they were watching. Oh my gosh, people were positively just impacted by what I shared or what I have been sharing. So give yourself permission, take the risk and kind of be persistent to yourself in kind of showing up authentically. Oh my gosh, so wise and so good. Love it. (laughs) It's been
1: awesome talking with you. Thank you so much. And everybody, please go and join the visibility challenge. And we'll definitely be linking to the course in the show notes as well so that you can get more information or sign up for waiting list, depending on when you look
0: at it. Awesome. Have an awesome day. You too. Take care. Good talking to you.
1: Head on over to impactdrivenentrepreneur.com where you can find an arsenal of videos, blog posts, and previous podcast episodes to help you increase your profit and impact. Again, impactdrivenentrepreneur.com and click on blog. Enjoy.